0: Somebody once told me two white guys had a podcast, and they're the only ones in the world who discuss albums and movies with all their friends and buddies about underrated favorites. Well, the ads keep coming, and they don't stop coming folks say stop but we still keep it running with family guy as the show's mascot brian sucks and stewie rocks so many eps of family guy how come this one's gotta be a meg one you'll never know if you don't watch Watch. the show is actually good good Hey, now, we're a podcast that talks music and film. Hey, now, we're two white guys who like albums and thrills. We're the only ones who do this. Welcome back to our show. We're back.
1: <laughs> Officially. It's, 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 um, that's like when they, uh, Crack the champagne against the ship's hull to set it free into the world, into the seas. Uh, the parody song of, of Smash Mouth. Uh, can't think of a better time to bring a parody of that song on than our two-week, three-week <laughs> awaited <laughs> return to the podcast airwaves. Yes, you heard it right in the parody song. Two white guys with a podcast about movies and music. Back on the air!
0: under. Underrated. underrated, that's this
1: competitive advantage. That's underrated. the thing that sets us apart from your blank checks, your we hate movies, your flop houses, your how, did this get your how did this get made, your film spottings. We talk about the movies that they're afraid to talk about.
0: We go in with our military-grade weapons, military. our plutonium, yes. our AR-15s, yes. our grenade yes. launchers and we just rip these fucking movies apart and they don't stand a guy They don't stand chance. a
1: chance. Uh what's I I mean, you know, uh it, we're just two regular guys that love the funny Joker, the Joker man, you know, it, that movie changed my I life. I
0: love Joker and I should be allowed to say yes. it.
1: Yes. Yes. And you should be allowed to say it too. I am I am not afraid to say <laughs> Are we ever going to talk about Joker on this podcast? I know you
0: talked about Joker on your podcast. Um no, we will never talk about Joker on this podcast. Sounds good. Uh, Sounds good. So so we'll never talk about Joker on the podcast. Hey, I'm Joker! <laughs> That's Robin Williams saying that he's the Joker. Uh, on It's, on the, it's list, on the list. A podcast about underrated movies, music, and more with Noah and Mason. I am, of course. funny talking baby and with me as always is the funny talking dog mason mcguire mason we're We're back
1: back. we're back uh we are back it's been a little bit we took the month of october off for the most part uh
0: but we're back with a new episode uh it's good to be back how do you feel buddy how do you feel now? i genuinely feel good i like i said you asked me what did you do When we weren't recording and I was like, dude, my my life is the fucking same (laughs) right now. Just that I feel like a lot of people's lives are, you know, pretty much the same unless you're unless you're really back at it, which, you know, I very few people are really back at it unless you're a medical worker or or something, you know. And, you know, so uh, I didn't really do a crazy amount, uh, but I it did tell me the time off did inform me that I yes, I missed you, Mason. <laughs> I, in fact, did miss Mason. I thought, oh, thank God. I get two or three weeks off from seeing that guy. But guess what? I missed you every single week. I'm like, oh, I don't get to see Mason uh, no, I in his you too, buddy. blurry apartment. And I don't get to see all the things that he has back there. And I don't get to talk about movies, music, underrated things with my friend Mason. But now we're back, we're back. baby. we um, Anything exciting for you to report in the interim or how was it much the same again I the big thing was that I missed you too buddy but it was uh, it
1: was nice to uh, find and imbibe some content that didn't feel uh, attached to either this show or my other show watched a couple good movies uh, don't remember all of them but they're on my letterbox if you're curious I guess uh, just just you know. Again, not much has changed on my side either. I'm still working, answering those emails, answering those calls most of the day.
0: But that's it. Played Among Us, actually, for the first time. Played Among Us. Oh, shit. Yeah, and you know what? Can you you explain exactly what Among Us is specifically? Because I bet you there are listeners out there and the co-hosts of this podcast who know what it is but don't know how it works. So So can you explain Among Us? So
1: you are a little cartoon crewmate in a ship. Yep. populated by other folks usually your friends if you can get six to ten people together to play it's the ideal way to do it uh and you're on this ship and uh you all have a task that you need to com- you have tasks that you need to complete but there's also somebody following you around that is a killer and is trying to kill you and uh Ooh. basically while you're doing your tasks uh you are vulnerable to get killed or all your other crewmates are vulnerable to get killed And it's your job to, um, uh, if you're the killer, to kill people. And then if you are the crewmate, to do your tasks and then uh, kick out the intruder. If you complete all your tasks, you win. If you kick out the intruder, you win. Uh, If the intruder uh, sows enough discontent among the ranks to uh, escape, then the intruder wins. It's a lot of fun. I played it with with my family, with my cousins. I would recommend it getting some friends together and trying. I've it. heard
0: orange is sus. Can you comment on orange I being sus? I cannot comment
1: on um the the character of any of the colors orange, yellow, uh brown, red, blue, okay. green. Did I say green already? <laughs> cannot comment <coughs> on that okay. but, but, yeah. but that's that's the update folks, but we also have That's good. <clears throat> we have something important to announce before we get into the the meat of the show. This is the potatoes. That's true. This, this is the potatoes. This is the potatoes. But it's we have to address well, it. Well,
0: they're pretty big potatoes. Huge potatoes. As far as I'm are Yeah,
1: they're, they're russets. Yeah. They're huge.
0: They're Idaho just they're Idaho. Yeah. fucking stones. They're they're just heavy and weighty, and you put them in the yep. water, and they sink. Mm-hmm. They don't fucking nope. skip. These things yeah, sink. Yeah, no, huge potatoes. Um, I alerted Mason of this during the interim. Um, there's not really, a, I guess, an easy way to say it, but... So I guess I'll just come out and say it Um, in the interim between when we had our last episode of the show and with this episode that we're recording right now. My favorite streaming service, and I know yours as well, Mason, Mm -hmm. Quibi went under. Uh, They're shutting down. Uh, I don't know exactly when it goes dark specifically. It's been a little bit hard to look at those headlines. You know, it's been a little bit hard to look yeah, at those mm-hmm, headlines. Mm-hmm. So uh, it has been, been. Doing my hardest best headlines to just currently to look at. I would, I would say so. So I ta- I talked to Mason, you know, I said to him, Hey, have, did you see the news? And you, what did you say? I, when I said, Hey, did you see the news? What did uh, you say? I said,
1: I'm already crying. Um, that's what I said. Cause I had seen the news. Uh, it, it's pretty sad. Quibi was going under. Um, But from, uh, every, every cloud has its silver lining every, uh, after the hurricane comes a rainbow, uh, we edits on the list have something very exciting to announce
0: though. That's right. So if you're a Quibi fan, just like Mason and I, no more fear. Every little ting is going to be all right. As they say, you know, um, do you want you know, I'll say say it? i say You say it. You say, say it. It. You do okay. the honors. You do yeah, the honors. Mm-hmm. We bought, we bought Quibi. Quibi. It's on the list.
1: Bought Quibi. Saved, you guys. Quibi. Uh, Quibi's back. Don't worry. You'll still see plenty of Quibi advertising on your bus, on the sides of your buses, on your billboards.
0: in or if you're in the Subway, maybe there's a in the Subway ad yeah.
1: at this, for
0: it. At a Subway know. sandwich shop, um, might see it. If you're at a Subway sandwich shop, maybe a Quiznos, a Quiznos also, maybe a Jersey yes, Mike's. We did, we,
1: did get, uh, we did sign an exclusive deal with Subway and Quiznos. To, uh, to It's part of our new brand strategy. We're going to be in every single— Couldn't get Jimmy John's, Not get Jimmy John's, John's, no. Jimmy John himself uh, said, fuck you, and closed the door right in our
0: face. And then I— th- He yeah. said— Fuck you! I don't want anything to do with Quibby. It broke my heart the first time. How do I know you're not going to do it this it, yes. time? And we said, buddy, because we have an amazing fucking slate of content, we we're about have to roll out some pitches,
1: folks. So part of this, um, we do have a fifty-fifty ownership stake, fifty percent being me, Mason, fifty percent being Noah. And part of this is we do need have a lot of content blocks to fill. And so uh, we uh, Noah and I are going to um, pitch each other some some quibby ideas, um, some some things, and we have equal veto opportunity. We can shoot down ideas, or take them on, or greenlight them. Uh, we have an awful lot of money to do this. Um, so I guess without any further ado, Noah, how do you want to decide
0: who pitches first? Do you want to go first or? No, I mean, I think you—you're the one who okay. got us a lot yes. of those new advertising yes. revenue, and so I think it's only right that you go first. But I do think it's important to state um, we're not just taking anything. No, we're not taking. You know, no, 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 rigorous, rigorous, yeah, rigorous lo- process here. To yeah, rigorous process. We're going to go through a big vetting process. We're just kind of letting the listeners if it's on the list in on what that process may be like. If you have any shows that you want to pitch to Quibi, you can email. Everybody wants to the number two. two get on the yes. list. Mm-hmm. At gmail.com, yes. and you can pitch us your Quibi ideas. Yes,
1: pitch us your Quibi ideas, uh, everybody, too. Go ahead, Wilson, so, okay.
0: Pitch me your first idea. Uh, so
1: here's my first idea. Uh, I was thinking, so the day this episode drops, it will be allegedly Election Day. Um, right. Pre- everyone's got presidential fever. Everyone has, you know, you know. Just are you Trump? Are you Biden? I feel like this is an, a, a good opportunity to uh, uh, capture the democratic process and, and put it on a platform like Quibi, which is the platform of the future. So, I hired two of our greatest uh, American cultural minds to help me get the show together. Actually, three. Uh, so, I got Aaron Sorkin, Lin-Manuel Miranda, okay. and the Jim Henson Workshop. Mm-hmm. And together, we're going to come up with a fun um, weekly uh, children sort of detective series um, centered around the theme of The President's Missing Dick. Um, and so, the name of the show is Help Us Find The President's Dick. And there's going to be a cool. 12-episode series, um, 10 minutes each at the end don't find the president's stick until the very last episode where we will have a special cameo appearance by the president whoever that will be at that time we have made exclusive deals with both Trump and Biden uh with the um caveat that we have to uh execute um the loser so um look out uh that's that's the first pitch here uh, help us find the president's stick but yeah
0: wow okay um I did not expect you to bring the heat so early, yeah. to be mm-hmm. quite honest sure. with okay. you. Wow. Um, I don't, I think I speak for everyone when I just say, we're putting that on Quibi. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow, yeah. Mason, that yes. was amazing. Oh, God, Congrats. thank God. Oh, okay,
1: thank you. Thank, I, I, I'm so yeah. happy you like it. I'm so, now I'm excited. Yeah. So what do you have? Your, what do you have to, what do you have for, for Quibi this, this, for us here? Mm-hmm.
0: Now, well, now I'm nervous because you just had such a good had such a good pitch. But I'll get I'll get into it yeah. anyway. Um, so do you remember back when like AMC sort of ruled like prestige TV? Sure. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. part. Yeah. 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 Mad yeah breaking had, bad. had you had things like um, Low win- Winter yes, Sun. Exactly. Yeah. Low Winter Sun was mostly what I was watching at the time. But
1: um, oh, okay. you had
0: you know Walking Dead as well. That was a big one. Oh, sure. And you remember Walking Dead? I do right? remember Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, what was better than Walking Dead? Way better, actually. In fact, was Talking Dead. How about that? Okay, you know what? I PA for Talking Dead. That was one of my first jobs in Hollywood. We're not talking about that. So no, we're not. But that's it's interesting. Like, it they is, bring this back. It's kind of interesting. And so, what I think we should do <laughs> is, I think we should, uh, we should get a Talking Dead style show, but for the most popular show. In America. We'll just say it at the same time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we both know what it is. Yeah. One, three, mm-hmm. ready, mason, okay. One, yeah. two. Three, The Big Bang, Big Bang
1: Theory. Theory. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, number one show. Mm-hmm. So
0: we're gonna have a like a Talking Dead style show about Big Bang Theory called Hanging Brain with the Big Bang. I don't know who's gonna I don't know who's gonna host it yet. That's something we could figure out. Maybe if Lynn wants to host it, maybe hey, Lynn and La Miranda can, can help us yeah, out. Sure, yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: I, I, I do think you're getting a little bit too far. Ahead. It's a
1: little too ahead there. I have Sorry. not greenlit the show. Greenlit the show, but you know what uh it was called hanging brain with the big bang is that what it was called hanging brain okay okay yeah i you know what um uh like i said first job in hollywood talking dead i think it's a a useful i think it's a sustainable model also um big brain theory big bane theory big bane theory like you said right um most popular show on tv um yeah, man, I see this as a winner. I see you yes. go. Let's go ahead. Let's go. Yes. Full steam on this okay. one. Full steam yes. on this one. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: all right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. We're we're both picking up steam. This is good. We're both yeah. into each okay. other's ideas. Go ahead and yeah. pitch your second idea.
1: So my second idea, um, I was thinking about how um, it's been a point of contention recently that um, Mindhunter Season 3 will not be on Netflix. Will right. Will not be returning like, like, likely. Um, David Fincher is still working with Netflix. He's directing uh, Mank. I'm, I'm, right, of course. Yes, he doesn't have time to make Mindhunter 3 and also making a TV show is a lot of work. And he doesn't think like he's going to be able to do it. So I propose that we take that off his hands. Um, now, I don't want it to be any confusion. I... I I'm kind of seeing this as a separate show almost. So I'm not calling it Mind Hunter season three anymore. We're going to call it Mind Hunter season three. Mind like cl- Hunter? Yes, like the classic um, desktop game that you would play, like, say, in an office-like setting. Gotcha. And we're going to cool. take all of the actors from Mind Hunter and place them in a, we'll just say, like a, a regional office for a paper supply company. And I kind of want to get away from the serial killerness of it i think that that's not what we want nowadays you know the world is too scary so it should be a comedy it should be a light comedy you know uh i i think that right. we, there's there's plenty of characters that could fit easily into this row just just using the first three as an example you know uh you got Holt mcelaney as bill 10 she would be the boss character and he's kind of a dick but he means well and he has this classic catchphrase that's um Something like that's what she said, you know, something like that, something like that.
0: Okay, I'm with you so far.
1: Yeah, uh uh-huh, and then you have, of course, uh, Wendy Carr, um, and she's sort of like the, you know, why am I here, sort of desk jockey kind of thing. Uh, but she has a big crush on the receptionist. Um, oh,
0: okay. Nice. Yeah,
1: and yes, yes, yes. And you know, Wendy's kind of a dry character. She's sort of the. She's gonna sort of be the audience favorite. Everyone's gonna have a crush on her. You know.
0: Um, <laughs> I cannot wait for that. That's gonna yeah, be awesome,
1: right? And she has this. She does this classic face whenever something just really, just really is is funny <laughs> and happening from her. You yes. know. You know. Yeah, I'm yeah.
0: loving this so far. I, I'm gonna yeah. say yes, but just keep telling me about it.
1: So, and then finally, of course, we have Jonathan Groff as Holden Ford. Uh, now, I feel like I've been, you know, um, sort of, I haven't come up with other names for these other characters, but I, I landed on this classic name for for uh, Holden Ford here, because I want to change the names, you know. We're changing the names here to avoid sure. confusion. It's not Mindhunter. It's Mindhunter Season 3. And so we're going to change Holden Ford's character. He's going to kind of be a temp uh, he's going to kind of pop in and out. You're not really good, too sure like why he's on the show. You'll see his name in the opening credits, and you're like, am I going to see him this episode? And most right. of the time, you're not, especially if you're watching in syndication. But I don't think we should call him Holden Ford anymore. I think that's a little too, like, for the character. I right. think we should call this fucking guy—tell me what you think of this. I think we should call this guy Dwight Schrute. How do you feel about that?
0: <sighs> yeah. That's perfect. Dwight yeah, perfect, Schrute is perfect. Right? Perfect. Yeah, because
1: yeah. you know, you know the classic Holden Ford character. You can see him as a Dwight Schrute, right? I You, I, know? you
0: know what? I don't know how someone hasn't thought of Dwight Schrute yet in this. I can't either. In I can't this either. Fucked yeah. up industry that we work in. in I don't know how someone, someone's mm-hmm. thought about Dwight Schrute yet. Um. Yeah, like I said, that's an easy green light for me, easy, as really, far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, as my yeah. As half the stakeholder of Quibi... Yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of the best ideas I've ever heard. So easy green light.
1: Hell yeah. Brother, I can't. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What else you got? You got some other stuff for me. I know. Yeah.
0: So what's everyone talking about right now? You know, oh, again, man. what's everyone talking about? You know, there's multiple things. You already mentioned yeah. the election. Everyone's yeah. got presidential mm-hmm. fever, like you said. A lot of thing. A lot of another thing people really like talking about right now is cops. You know, cops oh, are. Sure. Uh, yeah.
1: Hot. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, Hot, they, um, personally no good get them out of there but you know people are people are talking about them mm-hmm. I
0: don't I don't like them either I'm just saying people are talking about them you know sure. people, they're Understood. on people's Understood. brains yes. on people's mm-hmm. lips you know they were thinking about cops a lot so I thought we could do a cop drama but we kind of we kind of turn it on its ear a little bit mm. we kind of do something that you're not expecting with the cop drama so hear me out here I'm gonna give you my my very straightforward elevator pitch of it and I think it'll give you the whole the whole idea are you ready Yes. Mhm. So it's a Sorry, I it's it's really okay. I can't, I'm I'm waiting. Bated breath. Bated breath. This is a cop drama where the lead cop has erectile dysfunction and it's called The Thin Blue Chew Line. <laughs> Do you love that or what?
1: I feel like there's a there's a a brand partnership opportunity that you're trying to lean into. I yeah. thought it was going to be called like something like Baltimore E.D. or something, like
0: depending that's good on good too. The, Maybe Chicago it's, E.D. That's good, too. Listen, listen, okay, we're cooking now. It's, it could be the Thin Blue Chew Line colon Chicago E.D., you know, yeah. Like that's the full okay. title. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah, people call yeah. it Chicago E.D., but everyone knows that I came up with the main title, and it's the like Thin sh- Blue Chew Line. Exactly. You know what, brother? I,
1: I, I'm seeing dollar signs with this one. I'm seeing dollar signs with this one. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, big old green light. Big old green light. For Thank you. The thin blue chew line.
0: Chicago right, so ED. Chicago ED. Okay. Now give us. Give me your last one. Yeah, give me your last one. I'm really excited to hear these. Show. Uh, this last one, uh, I can. I thought that you
1: know we have a couple. I pitched. I think a couple um, big ticket items, but I think we need something a little more modest. You know, something that can e- very easily come in under budget, safe to safe, sure and cheap to make. Uh, so I came up with a uh, reality competition show called uh, If the Shoe Fits. So each week, three contestants will be tasked to find um, lone shoes by the highway. And uh, if the cust- if the um, excuse me the contestant finds a shoe on the highway and they put it on and it fits, then they continue walking on forward with it. Uh, if a contestant finds a shoe and they put it on and it doesn't fit, they have to leave it behind and just keep walking until they find a shoe. And um, first season, it's gonna start to do the full breadth of the I ninety, start in Seattle, um, end in Boston. Uh, no, there's there's no time to st- stop off and see like a, a small town or whatever. You know, we got a tight schedule here. It's really just sure walking on the highway. You find a shoe, pick it up, put it on. To, it fits. Keep walking. Find another shoe, put it on. Fits. Sure. Keep walking. Yeah. Doesn't fit? You leave it behind. You just you
0: just keep going. Kind of like um, a portrait of America type situation, but through the lens of a reality TV competition.
1: Sh- sure. Yes. Yes. I. Yes. That's putting an awful lot more thought into it than, than I did. But I. Think right. though That's
0: my job is to yes, you know m- yes. make it work.
1: Yes. Yes. Definitely. But you know we can do lens of America. I was really just thinking of like close ups on on people's feet as they're putting it on. We just see them like see how they. their their shoes and their feet. Mason, say no
0: more. Immediate green light. I don't need to hear anything more. We'll write up a budget proposal and we'll get this fucking shit on the road. I have one more show that I want to pitch you and I don't think you're ready for it. So I need to hear. I am ready to hear the last show. I am ready to hear the last show. Okay, thank God. Are you ready? Yes, Yes. you are. I think I saved the best for last on this one. Okay. Okay. What, What sells, Mason, besides cop dramas... And after talking about the show shows, you know, what's the, what's the third thing on that list? I will just answer for you celebrities. If you have a celebrity mm-hmm. attached, that shit sells. So here's my thought. Yes. Here's the yes. log line mm-hmm. Chrissy Teigen reigns supreme as the judge over small claims court, while her mother, Pepper Ty, maintains order in the courtroom as the bailiff on the new hit comedy show, Chrissy's Court. Can I get an amen, Mason? Amen. Amen. And a green light. Yes, Chef. Well, Mason... I have a little bit of news for you. That's actually a Quibi show that really exists. That is <laughs> not something I made up at all. So I'm glad you're uh, happy about bringing it on to Quibi 2.0. You snuck that in there. You I mean, snuck yeah. that in there, you little sneak. You... I really liked that show when Quibi was first on. So I really wanted to get it past you and get it past legal. And I think we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we pitched Quibi, we've saved Quibi, so look yeah. out for all of those showing up on your cell phones um, Yeah, only place you can watch them is on the Quibi app on your cell phone, that's really yes. kind of the, that's kind of the thing about It's a quick bite, um, that we're not really gonna do this all the time, but I did, you know, since we are coming back I think it's important to, you know, show the process of what this is yeah. like Yeah
1: for for folks that are you know uh, trying to get into the biz and you know no and I both have biz experience, uh, this is a peek behind the curtain of how uh, you know the the sausage
0: gets made, the content sausage gets made. So again, e- exactly. I was yes. thinking how the sausage gets made as well. Did you, but you made that up? That's like an original Mason McGuire-ism, right? Yeah, that
1: was I. I came up with that, and I'm like, is that a pitch or is that an idiom? And I'm like, ooh, let's try it as an idiom first.
0: I mean, oh, maybe yes. We'll add, Yes, maybe maybe after our first round of content goes through, maybe we can get a How the Sausage is Made show going. Obviously, people want to see that. If you have an idea, like I said at the top of the show, that you want us to consider for our new Quibi 2.0, please email us at everybody wants 2 the number two get on the list at gmail.com. Now we're actually going to talk about real uh, <laughs> things that we like. You know, we're going to talk about things yeah, that we, we like. Yeah, we have an
1: entire a media review podcast here, not just... <laughs> <laughs> Not so. just Bit City over here And it's on the list um, But uh, yeah I mean we got an album, movie It's just us Just the L Gruesome Twosome I'd be so
0: crazy if there was a third guest <laughs> And we made them wait This fucking long inter- Please welcome Rocky Power down to the show <laughs> Fuck <laughs>
1: No, uh, Rocky would
0: actually think that's really
1: funny, uh, but that's, no, that would be really funny if we had an entire nonsense and someone was sitting there in the Zoom chat really, really fucking quiet. Uh, but no, it's just us, just me and and Noah this week with some, with some contento. Uh, decided to come back with just us, talk about two things that I think mean a lot to both of us. Yes. I brought on the album this week, Noah brought on the movie, and before we get to the movie, we're going to talk about the album.
0: Talk about it, Mason. Uh,
1: this week's album is 2015's sophomore um, effort by the band Churches. It's their album, Every Open Eye. Let's get some claps in the chat. Claps, claps, every, claps, 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 Every Open Eye by Churches. Uh, Noah. Yes. Had you ever heard of this band or Churches, before? this band, this album, anything from here before, before I asked you to listen to it for the podcast?
0: So I knew the name churches. Um I knew the name, but I was like, how do I know that name? I've never heard I don't think I've ever heard any of their music before. And I realized this is why I knew the name. My first so this album comes out in 2015. Yes. My freshman year of college, I'm hanging out with these two guys. They're twins, uh the Mutal twins. Shout out to Ari and Alan Mutal. Uh and they had a car that they shared and you know if you're trying to get off campus in Southern California, you sometimes got to hitch a ride with the person that has the car. And there was this kid who Ari was roommates with who I don't really want to, I don't want to dox him too hard. He was kind of a weird guy, but he's a very nice guy. He was just, but he was kind of one of those guys that just like hung around, even though nobody really like was friends with him. He was just kind of roommates with Ari. That's kind of the reason why he was around. Okay. Not really mm-hmm. friends with anyone in the friend group though, but Ari was gonna Ari Allen and I were gonna go out. We were gonna like go do a Target run or something for the dorms, and this kid goes, "Oh, can I come with you guys? I need to go to Target." And we're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure. Oh, we'll come on, come to Target with us." So we go to Target, and right next to the Target was a Best Buy, and we come out of the Target. And this other kid, who's not Ari or Alan, goes, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we please go to the Best Buy just real quick? And everybody's like, what the fuck, dude? No. Are you kidding me? That's, like That sucks. No, of course not. He's like, please, I know what I'm going to, in there for. I'm going to get the new Church's album. <laughs> and so, of course... We roll into the parking lot. <laughs> this is not a fucking lie. This is 100% true. We pull into the parking lot, uh, and he gets out, and he goes, aren't you guys going to come in with me? <laughs> and we were all like, no, we're just going to wait in the car. We just make it fucking quick. And so we're all sitting there, just like, god damn it, this sucks. And he comes out, and he's got the uh, the, the CD with him. It was literally the CD of this album, Every Eye Open. And he's oh like, my God. you mind if we play this <laughs> in the car? And we were just like, no. Or, yes, we do mind. <laughs> we're, it, they had one of those, like, tape to, like, aux cord things. Yeah, sure. And mm. so music was already playing out of that. And they're not the – Ari and Al are not the kind of guys who would, like, put up with anything like that. They are like, nope, dude, come on. You're going to listen to that when you get fucking back. In 2015, buying the CD version of Every Eye Open, you can listen to that on your fucking computer. So – that was my experience with churches. I'm wow. sure you did not expect that. No, I, because
1: you, when I texted you this, I was like, have you heard this before? And you said, no, I haven't. So I guess you were not tell- telling the truth. I don't think you had heard this. There's no part in that story where they put the CD on and everyone was like, oh, this is actually pretty good.
0: No, no um, nothing like that happened at all. It was all me just going, oh, that's a band and an album that this kind of weird me- guy who I went to college with likes. Hey man, I mean
1: <laughs> I that's what I remember most about them uh is it was like it it was it was uh I remember people simping so hard for Laura Mayberry online either yeah. between uh the first album um uh, Bones of What We Believe and this one that's really heavy when I was on um like
0: uh, twitter.com I just think
1: like fucking Twitter.com or Tumblr.com and nice. that, like on Tumblr folks were simping hard for Laura Mayberry. Uh, Before
0: we even really had a term for it they were simping Exactly and like
1: anytime I think of I anytime I think of simping I just it, the girl that pops to my head that people that men in particular are going gaga over is Laura and I was reading like the genius comments even from the lyrics on this album and back like five years ago it was it's it's really it's it's truly really an interesting spe- anthropological sort of specimen thing sure
0: well uh, so that was that was my that was my sort of but that knowledge makes sense
1: that's 100 that, who a church's fan is though you know <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: well i'm talking to the other one too you and this that's, other guy
1: yeah 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 so i like um i uh it, I remember the first where I was exactly the first time I heard a church's song or, that I couldn't recall. It was New Year's Eve going into 2014. So December 31st, 2013 into January 1st, 2014. Uh, I was hanging out nice. with uh, two of my buddies uh, in a, uh, another friend of theirs' uh, place for the new year. And we're sitting in this kind of like upstairs, basically hot box room. But we were smoking like uh, no, no, none of the none of the funny grass, but more of the, uh, the hookah is what the word I was trying to think of. Okay, uh, that yeah. was the vibe in New Year's going into twenty fourteen. <laughs> yeah, that's some <laughs> sick shit right but there, smoking friend, hookah on
0: New Year's Eve. I love it. Yeah, that. my buddy
1: and I don't want to I don't want to dox him, but uh, one of these one of my other buddies that was in that room, maybe another one. Uh, Listen to the show and you know who you are. Uh, but they started playing, uh, The Mother We Share, which was, uh, one of the singles from their first album, The Bones of What We Believe, which is also a very good album. Now, I liked that song, those songs just fine, listened to them with some regularity between, in 2014, basically. Uh, and I wasn't too, uh, keyed in, I don't believe, to churches to know when they were having another album coming out. I assumed that they would, but I wasn't, like, waiting on bated breath. Sure. This al- I don't think I heard a single single a single from this album. Uh, a single until- single. A single single. Uh, until the album itself came out in earnest, which I believe was September of 2015, late September 2015. At some point it came into my field of vision and I put it on and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Listen to the whole thing top to bottom. And it just, um, anytime October rolls around Aww. or there's a change in the weather. And it gets like a little, little gray, a little overcast, a little sure. chilly. I'm like, oh baby, it's church's time. And that was it's what churches. was happening meteorologically a couple of weeks ago when we were trying to set up the second show to come back. I was like, I want to talk about this album because the time is right. And it's also just a very, it's been a very important album for me for the past, uh, literally five years. So sure. that's a little preview of that. And I, I I chose this album, not knowing what you Noah were gonna think of it, and that's sure. also I think because I know you don't like, or you sometimes have a difficulty grasping getting into electronic music. That's fair. And, that's very fair. But I also thought that you're a man who appreciates just good songcraft and good lyricism, and likes to, and if there's something meaningful behind it, you can appreciate it on that level. For sure. So it was like how is how is this going to resonate with them so before so i'm curious noah what are your thoughts on every open eye the church's album
0: yeah um i when i first i didn't i i didn't even know what kind of music they were before i put okay. the album on that's how much i didn't know about them that's how much i just they were not in my mind's eye at all i could not even tell you what the genre of them is you know prior to listening to this mm-hmm. And my first listen, once I realized, okay, this is the kind of music that we're in for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. it was very much, like, kind of just reminded me of, like, driving to school in the mornings with the radio on. I mean, you and I both grew up sure. in sort of, like, not warm climates. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. You know, you're from the birth yeah. of Chicago. And so, yeah. you know, going to school most days, it's either dark wet or cold or all of them, yes. you know, like it's, it's, or it's, all of it's, the yeah, it's something, it's like some mix of those three things. And yeah. more often than not, uh, it was mostly cold and wet for me, not always dark, but very cold and wet. And I just have like memories of either being driven to school or once I was old enough, driving my sister and I to school and just having the radio on top 40 hits or whatever it is. Like before we had like the ability to actually like, play our own music out of the car, you know, with Bluetooth or an box cord Mm -hmm. or uh, a lightning cable or whatever, listening to songs that would just come on top 40 radio that all sounded kind of like this album. They didn't sound exactly like this album. Mm -hmm. They didn't necessarily all have some meat behind them. Some of them were literally just, this is a fun song that you can dance to. But Mm -hmm. I was very excited listening to this album i was very into this album as a whole i actually ended up listening to the special edition and the only the only difference in the special edition is that there's three additional songs at the very end those are called getaway follow you and bow down of those three i think getaway is probably the standout of those extra tracks um, not to say that Follow You and Bow Down aren't good. I would say Then Bow Down is my second favorite of the additional tracks, and then Follow You. Mm-hmm. Mostly because mm-hmm. for me, what works so well with this album, and I think maybe it wouldn't work to the degree that it does, is if Lauren Mayberry wasn't singing. She has such an amazing voice, and she has like such an amazing like yeah. range that she's able to like convey both emotionally and just like melodically. That I was just very I was, like, very, it was, like, a very nice listen. Like, I was, like, this is very, like, uplifting music. This is very, like, exciting music. This is very thoughtful and thought-provoking music. And I can't really tell you 100% why, but just purely on the surface, it worked for me. So that was kind of my initial... My initial read of it, I definitely enjoyed it more the second time, I will say, because I actually do listen to the albums uh twice, which is funny yes. bit that we do on the show. Love that bit. Yes. Uh, that Mason doesn't actually listen to the albums twice and I do because haha yes, chef. <laughs> uh, but really really nice album, like really just like fun to listen to, exciting, uplifting, just kind of put me in a good mood. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Give me give me your experience listening to it or react to my experience. Uh, yeah
1: so i like that a lot i like that this is an album that brings you joy because this is also an album that brings me a lot of joy it any every time i listen to it and it it it, sometimes i like it's almost like right before i think to put it on that i'm like is this really still gonna hold up after all these years and it it still does and it still makes me it still like kind of satisfies um the sort of same emotions that it did for me when i was first listening to it and i like if I had this on CD or vinyl or something, I would have wore it out the amount that I listened to it back in 2015. Cause it's just like, I, it, at that time I really needed an album that was kind of like this, that kind of dealt with uh, sort of uh, t- turbulent emotions. Um, it was, it really reflected a situation I was going through at the time. Sure. Um, and it made me feel really like kind of uh, resilient and tough and that you can, you know, kind of work through um, you know, turbulent times, turbulent emotions, uh, difficult relationships, things of that nature, um, and come out the other side, um, at least, like, if you're not, like, at your fullest potential, like, with just, at least you've made it out and come out the other side, and that's yeah, kind of and- just...
0: You're yeah. optimistic to a certain degree, you know. Even yeah. if you're not fully there, you're like, "Oh, things are looking trending upward."
1: Right? Yeah, because this is an album that I think has a lot of fun, like just dancey pop songs, but are about like being kind of either getting like kind of uh, beaten down, emotion like beaten down emotionally, or beaten down t- like tired. Um, and I don't know. I think the songwriting on this is just incredible, uh, just, and the production too. It doesn't really like. Um, I think that they do a lot with a little, it's just like an electronic trio, basically. Um, you know, and I, it's just, it's just an album that brings me a lot of, uh, comfort basically at the end of the day. Um, and I want to talk in particular about the song, uh, clearest blue, which is, I say this a lot, but may actually be the
0: greatest song ever written. Um, <laughs> okay. haven't. All right. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far, but yes. Okay. I'll entertain, I'll, I'll entertain that for a sec.
1: Um, yeah. Cause it's it's maybe this is just a me thing with my own brain what I like music wise, Um, when that drop comes in this song in that song, and you feel like you're diving into clear blue water the clearest blue water, and you're just under the water, and then you kind of emerge. That's a song that that that's a feeling that song gives me of just like just Aww. driving into clarity and emerging. Um, it's a it's a really powerful song. It really just hits me in that good spot, uh, honestly. And a lot of these other songs do too. Neverending Circles
0: does. Um, I really uh, Barry it. Also hits me in that good spot. Neverending of- Circles is an amazing song to start out the album with because it's got a real heavy like <clears throat> kick drum to it. So you really are like feel like you can do anything it's very inspirational sounding um have you ever played i think i've actually talked about it very briefly on this show before have you ever played the game life is strange or know anything about it
1: i don't is that the one that started gamergate or is that a different one
0: really hope that it didn't start gamergate (laughs) because i that would just be fucked up if that was the one that started gamergate yeah i don't think it was Um, But Life is Strange is a story-based, like, your choices have, like, impact on, like, what happens in the story type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has this (coughs) just, like, feeling to it of, there's no other real way I can put it as succinctly as American anime. Like, it has, like, a overblown, Mm -hmm. very, like, maximal emotion, I guess, like, Vibe to yeah. it, everything yeah, mm-hmm. it feels very like sweet and saccharine without being like overly so. And that's kind of the vibe that I get from this. Like, it's very yeah. much like American anime music that you would find in like, I, there's no real American animes that I can like think of yeah. off the top of my head. But it's funny that's you the because, that
1: yeah. It's, I think that that's a good read on the vibe. I just want with the caveat that this is a Scottish band, so this is Scottish anime, technically. Yes, um, that's fair. But, this is
0: this is Scottish anime, yeah. which is what fucking Vikings. That's what they're. <laughs> that's what their anime I, l- is. It's listen, just Merida. I, I gotta, come here, Merida. <laughs> from I gotta,
1: well, speaking of the ex- the extra songs on the extended edition, one of my favorite ones was um, "Follow You" because it has that like. Because that the lead guy I don't know for, forget his name, uh, oh dear, um, but uh, they really let his like Scottish accent come out in the singing there. It makes it sound like a vampire theme, and I really like that. That's follow you. That's not so. The album ends with Afterglow. Uh, it goes from Neverending Circles through to Afterglow there. Um, but I'm with you. The entire album itself is is it's very earnest. It's very maximal. It's uh, kind of it for me at least. It kind of fits like huge, like uh, huge but protective and comfortable armor. Almost, I feel True. kind of invincible whenever I listen to this album. Um, and, but it's also, I think the uh, it's there's a very it's a very vulnerable album too. It's it's about uh, you know just really I I think reckoning with uh, your own decisions and and stuff like that, and um, you know uh, trying to find strength and common ground and eventually deciding, like, you know, working through that and coming out the other side just with yourself and for yourself, I think. That's, like, kind of my read on it. That's what I'm coming to now. Uh, Five years strong listening to it. Um, But I think you're absolutely right that this is kind of huge and very sincere kind of anime music and um, stuff that really makes you feel powerful, especially first thing in the morning. So... I mean, I don't know if I have too many other thoughts about it other than that. Uh, it would be
0: interesting to double mm. bill, double bill for an album, I guess, or do like a double, like a back-to-back listen. Put this on first, and then put a thousand gex on. Yeah, because I think that a thousand gex, although sonically, sounds different from this in a lot of different ways. You know, uh, I think in terms of feeling and vibe, they're very similar. Yeah, they're just sonically varied, very varied and very different from each other. There's a lot of different sounds being used in A Thousand Gecks that we covered with Thomas back in the LA days, obviously. Um, but this, they have a very similar vibe. I'm not here to say that one is better than the other. I just think that putting them on back-to-back, back, because I don't have a huge reference for electronic music. Again, it's not like my fave. I think technically this is considered synth pop is yeah, what I've like right, come, yeah. come to realize. I think that this album is almost radio friendly gex as far as vibe is concerned
1: yeah I, it's definitely radio friendly this is like this is something that you should sh- like in this extended edition there's a version of Bury it with haley williams and that's also kind of the energy oh, here too you know um but uh yeah it, it's 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 just really just strong pop music and just something about really good pop music that just especially when it's about, like, kind, uh, just, just difficult emotions like this and difficult circumstances, uh, which were very relatable to me at a time, um, makes makes me feel very uh, good. Uh, I got my, my Mercedes Valuable Player right at the ready here, and that would before, be— Before? Before? Yes. Hold on. Before? I don't want to okay, shoot, sure. Okay. Shoot, you have another pitch fast. for me? You
0: have another pitch for me? <laughs> Listen, brother, I'm not pitching you anything ever again! <laughs> uh, no, I just have some fast facts about churches okay. and— yep. um, I think just about churches as a whole, maybe not this album specifically, but I got some fast facts for you. Noah's Fast Facts. Are you ready, Mason? Noah's Fast Facts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chef. Thank you for the intro. Uh, In 2003, musicians Ian Cook and Martin Doherty. So I don't know who you were thinking of originally, but it was either Ian Cook or Martin Doherty from the man's vocals. Yes. But anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They met as students at the University of, this is a cool name, University of Strathclyde. In Glasgow. Ooh. That's where they went to school. That's like some Harry Potter shit.
1: That is Strathcly. Very, very Harry Potter.
0: <laughs> Strathclyde. You said that like Quagmire. You <laughs> said that like Quagmire <laughs> from fucking Family Guy. You, you nuts! Uh, Doherty joined Cook as a member of the alternative rock band Aerogram, but the two quit in 2007 when they became frustrated with the band's sound and lack of exposure. Doherty was then offered a role as a touring member of... The Twilight Sad, that is the name of the group with the Twilight Sad and brother. That's all I have to say to that is nailed it on the name, Um, but quit in 2012. Nailed it. After growing tired of playing someone else's music, the two had become jaded with alternative rock and decided to start their own project, a.k.a. Churches. Churches. So that's the first fact. Uh, In September 2011, Doherty produced an EP for the band Blue Sky Archives and asked vocal and drummer, you guessed it, Lauren Mayberry, if she would be interested in singing backing vocals for an electronic music project he and Doherty were working on. Mayberry was intrigued by the offer, as neither of them had any background in electronic music. So they kind of just asked her on a whim because they thought she was talented, but they didn't really know what they were doing. It sounds like they didn't really have a... Strong attachment to electronic music originally. They were very much in like these like paramore esque groups, if I can say. Right. That. So yeah. kind of interesting there. That is kind of
1: interesting. I think that make that like kind of uh, that is interesting. I, I gotta listen to this music again with that in mind. Not know like because I just kind of let this album exist in a bubble. I didn't know too much about the band itself aside from people simping for Lauren Mayberry. Um, but uh, it's interest. It'd be interesting to think about this as like. A electronic project from some, like, alternative rock musicians. Very cool. Especially because,
0: like, at the time, it's, like, I mean, My Chemical Romance is technically, I guess, alternative, if you want to call it, but it's definitely yeah. more, like, pop-punk emo-y, you know? So it's, like, if they're coming from that background, you know, making electronic music, it's yeah. very much, like, that's probably why these lyrics are, you know, so deep and have such emotional reach. Um, yeah. Because yeah. you don't really get that a lot of the time in most electronic music, at least what I'm familiar with. I'd love to be proven wrong on that. Um, The band members settled on the name churches, which uses the Roman letter V instead of a U. I think that's kind of, if you don't even know any of their music, that's like something that you know about them is that they have a V in their name instead of a U um, this spelling was chosen right. to differentiate themselves from actual churches when people searched them online. That's literally what I found out. Um, there was no That's conscious cool. decision to have a name with religious connotations. Instead, the band members felt that the name gave, quote, a strong vibe that could be interpreted in many ways. Mayberry also noted that the V is a subtle nod to band, to band names from the influential witch house genre of music, including Salem and rituals Mm. are you familiar with witch house Mm. at all uh
1: i think it came up in discussion of fair abraham so that is my uh yes it did fuck that (laughs) that is uh that's all i gotta say about that
0: uh okay i got some more i got two more fast facts for you and then we'll never speak of fair abraham ever again yeah uh (laughs) the original play was to have doherty sing but Mayberry was promoted to lead singer after they heard her full range of vocal abilities. So Doherty does sing on I think two tracks, if you're counting the special edition of this record. But Lauren Mayberry, yes. you know, just has an amazing voice. Since so they're like, we gotta let we gotta let her freak fla- freak flag fly on this, yeah, and I'm glad we, they did. Big time.
1: I am glad too. She is. Uh, I, it's the band. The band is a band, but it's hard to kind of uh, differentiate like. I don't know. She feels like the star sort of, you know, she's definitely the front person I feel, but man, I think they work so well as a unit too. Um, that, you know, even though she's the lead vocalist, she doesn't really outshine the work of the other
0: two guys. Uh, good band, good singer, good, uh, good band, good singer. One more fast fact for you. Yes. Known for their clean sound. Church's musical style is usually tagged as electronic or synth pop neon gold described their sound as quote, a godless, hurricane of kinetic pop energy. I don't like that description. A godless hurricane. I think that is Why don't you put it in your fast fact there? Because that's what they said! And I want to be true <laughs> to on Gold. Kitty Empire of the Observer. That's a, actually a good name for a band. Kitty Empire. That's her yeah. name, but that's a good name for a band. Um, she wrote that they, quote, make accessible electropop that is only just short of Truly Brilliant. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting way to connotate that. Wired noted following every Open Eyes release that the album, quote, cements the group as today's heir apparent to New Order, Depeche Mode, and other titans of British electronic music. That's probably a good um, comparison. Is there like a more yeah. upbeat Depeche Mode type situation? I'm not crazy yeah. about Depeche Mode. It's a little little bit too dreary for my taste as far as electronic music goes. But those are my fast facts about churches. Uh, I hope you learned something, folks, kids listening out there. I know this is a kid's podcast, so kids, I hope you learned something. Uh, Mason, who Mm -hmm. is your Mercedes valuable player for every eye open? Uh,
1: uh, My Mercedes valuable player is the song Clearest Blue. It has been since the first time I heard it. will probably continue to be. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh, I wrote down the words this time I was saying to it painterly, Building, swelling, how does that drop just not make you want to flail wildly, flashing club lights, like taking a fucking dive and emerging, baptism, crashing wave, all in less than four minutes? Uh Damn. it yeah, it's it's it feels uh it's one of my favorite pop songs. I do even though it pains me to admit that I this I do agree that they are just short of brilliant. Um I tried to listen to their follow-up album to this and it was just uh, no good. I think that this album though is probably, it's, it's their best so far. I think I would really like for them to come back and do something as inspired as this in terms of just like cheer feeling though. Uh, this is an album that really, really does it for me, uh, which is why I love it so much, which is why it's one of my favorites, which is why I wanted to bring it on the show. Uh, and to also shout out in clearest blue. Uh, had a very healing um, dan- uh, dance to that at the former um, Dance Yourself Clean back in 2018, nice. I think. Um, or Yeah, I think 2018. Could have been 2019. Don't remember. Went with uh, Ken's Meadows, uh, friend of the show, former uh, wife of Sonny Dion Jr. Uh, we would go Damn. dancing together, and one night they played the song. And um, it was a fun, fun time. So that song means a lot to me. It's coming to my life at a lot of important points. Uh, Full recommend for me on this album. That's all I got to say. Else, Noah, what's your MVP and how do you recommend this album?
0: So my Mercedes Valuable Player on this is just got to be Lauren Mayberry, Uh, her voice. um, I think I'm not going to say if nobody else was singing these songs that I would enjoy them less or more but because she is singing these songs, I do enjoy most of them. My two least favorite songs on the album are the ones where she's not singing. I don't necessarily enjoy Doherty's voice as much. Um, those are probably my, I guess, like low points of the album. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm also, there's one, there's one other that I can't, Nate, remember off the top of my head where I'm not crazy about um, the, the beat or whatever it is, but probably Lauren Mayberry, definitely... Uh, her voice is my Mercedes Valuable Player of Every Eye Open by Churches. And then my favorite... Every Open Eye. Every Open Eye. Every Open Eye. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My favorite little run on this album is if you're listening to the non-special edition, Mm. it is the last three tracks on the album, which is Playing Dead, Bury It, and Afterglow. I love how Afterglow sort of like, if you're not listening to the special edition, is just sort of like this cheery bright like literally you can like feel the brightness like coming off of that song even if it is like yeah. slightly bruised there's like a nice like aura yeah. i guess that that song emanates it does... and so
1: yeah yeah you brought up like driving to school first thing in the morning when it's really dark like this song does somewhat remind me of like driving to school early in the morning and then being like as the sun is rising and like all oh, on like a winter day, like that just kind of like slow sort of waking up and dawn, uh, literal dawning there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of, and I like listening to afterglow and it being the last album, because it is kind of an abrupt shift from Barry. It like Barry, it's a very powerful up song. And then it just kind of shifts immediately into this very hazy, bright uh, number, but uh, that's a good run there. I like that. So uh,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm done talking. <laughs> No, you don't have. You listen. You're not done talking, brother. We got a whole movie. We do. Talking I'm done about, talking about but, that. About that. About the, the album. But uh, but yeah, I so gotta tell you if I yes, if sport. I gotta recommend this movie or not this movie I gotta tell you if I recommend this album or not. And Mason, I will say this: if I hadn't listened to the album twice, I probably would have given it a conditional recommend. But I am going to give this a light recommend. I think. Hey. Yeah. Look at yeah, that. Nice. I'm gonna give it a light recommend. I think you, nice. if you're not a fan of electronic music might have some fun with this one. Very so, nice. Happy. There you go. Happy. That's that. Happy Thank day. you, chef. Thank you, oh. chef. So let's
1: let's move on to the the main course here actually.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This is this is a whole fucking turkey with stuffing and yeah, whipped cream coming out the fucking ears <laughs> yes. and cranberry sauce all over the fucking walls. Um, four. four. Four
1: full uh, uh, sweet potato pies and some pumpkin pies, too, as well. That was the other thing I was thinking of. This is a full fucking course here, this movie.
0: Yes, and in the craziest possible way. We are, of course, talking about Spaceballs, Spaceballs. from 1987. Claps, 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 claps for Spaceballs. Do, the, the, the so close to being Star Wars music that plays. It, oh throughout this! It's uh, uh, man, Spaceballs. We brought <laughs> on Spaceballs to the podcast. I love that. I did. Um, I will. I will get into it. You know, but I am. I do want to hear from you first, Mason. <laughs> what is your relationship to Spaceballs? And I guess Mel Brooks in general. Yeah. It's kind of hard to talk about any of his movies without talking about him as a man.
1: Exactly. Uh, this is a movie that I knew as collected bits before i sat down and watched the whole thing like sure. i picked up either pizza the hut or the little jawa things doing the bridge over the river quai m- music uh, or may the schwartz be with you or just any of the bits kind of before i sat down and watched this movie for the first time in probably sixth grade that was probably how old i was i think it was sh- either shortly before or shortly after i saw airplane for the first time so i was really into okay. kind of parody movies and, uh, when you're into parody movies, you gotta be into Mel Brooks. Um, yes, I just, I love the guy, you know, you can't, you, he is just such good fucking just comedic energy. Um, and just such a good, uh, he's just a guy that is always committed to the bit, whatever that bit is. That's, <laughs> yes, a, you can say that true. about any of his movies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I also love this movie cause it was a star Wars parody, and yes. I think I must have watched it, um, or, you know, when I was really into Star Wars and, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's all kind of all I have to say about it. You know, it's just, it's also something of an important movie to me, which I didn't re- uh, realize until I was sitting down and watch it again for this show, just like how important <laughs> this movie was. I think this is probably, I had the DVD as a kid. I think this is probably one of the first like movie commentaries I listened to, which was just Mel Brooks talking. Um, sure. don't remember much from that commentary, <clears throat> um, but no, this movie is so fucking uh, funny. I think it really also, watching it again, like informed a lot of what I think is funny and how I think about comedy and stuff too. Um, th- that's it. That's just sort of the bullet points for, for me for Spaceballs. So what's what's your journey with Spaceballs here? Ooh,
0: excuse me. My journey with Spaceballs, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you recognized how much of an important movie this was for you upon this watch uh, because... This is a very, very important movie to me. Um, I'm going to take you long ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm. listeners. Mason, strap in. Don't forget to take your seatbelt off if you get up too fast, uh, like Barf does. Uh, yeah. Oh, that'll leave
1: a mark. Yeah.
0: Apparently, that was improvised by Candy. Like that uh, that uh, moment wasn't supposed to happen. Candy the forgot king. to take his. I know he forgot to take his seatbelt off and just improvise that, which you know. I've heard he was genuinely like a great guy. I like, know from that's what you hear people in the world is that he was like actually a sweet man. Yeah.
1: That's what you hear. And it just, it just breaks my heart that he's not with us anymore. Uh, I love John
0: Candy. I do too. He was amazing. Um, but anyway, so this movie, again, I'll take you back long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, Noah was obsessed with star Wars. As I think a lot of young children are who are, A, I think a lot of kids are obsessed with Star Wars. And also, I think in addition to that, whether they realize it or not, are just obsessed with movies. I think if you really like Star Wars, you probably also just really enjoy watching movies. Not only is the original Star Wars A New Hope, basically Joseph Campbell's monomyth hero's journey type thing, you know, pretty Mm -hmm. much straight up. But there's just kind of in that original trilogy, everything... To love about movies. There's special effects. There's good writing. There's, you know, cool shit happening. There's cool characters. You know, it's like everything that you could really want in a movie happening at a very basic level. And I don't mean basic in like a non intelligent way, I mean basic in a way where it's like everyone can grab onto something in this movie. You know, this truly is sort of a movie. For everyone, not Spaceballs, but the original Star Wars trilogy. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, young kid, we—I think my dad actually still has the like VHS special editions, which are like oh, supposed to boy. be kind of rare. You know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, those are the versions I grew up watching on our V on our VCR. Um, those are the ones that kind of started it all for me and I just remember being obsessed with Star Wars when I was a little kid instead of playing you know wall ball or tether ball or basketball at recess me and like a group of kids would just play pretend and I was so nervous that the teachers were gonna see us doing it for some reason I was like fuck <laughs> you know 5 O's is gonna get us big time on the playground of Nancy Riles Elementary School for doing this And I just loved being in that world. And I think a lot of the time my like my like choices that I would make when I would like play pretend with my friends were often based in Star Wars. Sometimes I think we literally would like go to that world and pretend to be, you know, in Star Wars at recess. And so it was just a huge part of my life. And I think I saw Spaceballs at the perfect time. I was probably in fourth grade when I saw it, so I was probably mm. 10 or 11 when I saw it, and I just remember thinking from the very, from the get-go, from the t- from the title crawl to the spaceship that's way too fucking long, you know, that takes forever yeah. to go across uh-huh. the screen, yeah. I remember thinking in my head, oh, I thought that, about the spaceship that it took way too long to get across the screen in star Wars, you know, like that yeah. was a thought that I had. And yeah, the title crawl is kind of silly, but you sort of buy it, you know, yeah. like even mm. all, right from the very beginning, I was like, this is silly, but I'm buying it. And I think that is what makes space balls work. When it works is that it truly loves its source material. It truly loves the world that George Lucas created in Star Wars. And I just remember watching this in like 4th grade and thinking to myself, this is my favorite movie. It's funny. Yeah. It's basically Star Wars. Yeah. And there's just like, like they say asshole and shit in it, which yeah. are words that you don't get to hear very much. I yeah. don't think they drop the F bomb in this. I can't remember if they do. You I remember if they do. I thought I heard
1: Colonel Sanders say it at the end when they, the out of the self-destruct key is out of order. When the failsafe is out of order. I thought I heard Colonel Sanders say it, but I couldn't be sure. And I also didn't have the s- subtitles on when
0: I was watching it. So maybe fake news. Well, maybe fake news, maybe Mason is a complete liar, but we'll <laughs> have to do a quick double check on that. But either way, even if they do drop it, you know, it's one time. And so yeah, yeah. you're hearing swear words, which is always cool to hear in a movie this when you're is, a kid. Yeah, it's ex- extremely. And I think you, you're onto something there that this is
1: like, and this is why I love it, I think, but this does have like a little kid's um uh, idea of what uh, Star Wars basically is, is that there's like a a, a princess with like funny... Funny ears, Hair. yeah, funny yeah. hairs. Uh, I do love that they combine the Luke Skywalker and the Han Solo character because in my mind, when I was a kid, like it, I didn't really like care one way or the other about either of them. I kind of like both like qualities in both of them put together, so it does sure. really like make sense um, that they're like kind of the same character. Uh, I thought that uh, the Joan Rivers robot was hilarious as a kid too. I don't know yeah. if I, I would have come up with that that bit as a kid, but I do love that this movie. Uh, not, and this is the thing I think is similar with all of Mel Brooks's kind of parody movies, at least, is that they're as much about parodying, um, the source material as they are about kind of the experience of watching the movie. And this totally. is a big, um, cause like, you know, it's so much of his movie, especially in Blazing Saddles, you think about the huge climax where the cat, like they all crash into like the kind of the musical stage or whatever. Yes. Yes. Um, but this one in particular, this is a movie that I think like had like with this. I was watching The Simpsons a lot, probably when I was watching this movie too. And there's so many good like just fourth wall and clever fourth wall break movie uh, bits in this, like yep. the uh, not just the merchandising thing. But as soon, I love that as soon as they introduce the merchandising thing, it's everywhere in the movie after that point. Yes, they never yes. they never hint that that's where it's gonna go until you meet yogurt, and then afterwards they have the VHS
0: in the spaceship. <laughs> Mr. rental. And Mr. they're Re- watching yeah. <laughs> fucking they're wa- What part of the movie is this now it's happening right, right now. now. What happened he to just that? can't fucking believe it. Yeah. Oh man. It's
1: so awesome. So awesome. I mean, most of my notes for this movie, honestly, were just, was just me writing my favorite bits.
0: <laughs> I also, that is also most of my notes. So here's what we'll do. Ready? Uh, yeah. I'll say a joke that I really like. Mm-hmm. Then you'll say a joke that you really like. Okay. And that's what that's what we'll do for the next 10, maybe hour. Who knows? Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> go ahead and say your first bit that you like,
1: Mason. Uh, I'm just going to start off strong here. Uh, I love that it's a galaxy very, 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 very far away. I think that I yes. just want to just shout out the title crawl in general, just because I was watching this and that popped up and it made me giggle and then seeing the name Princess Vespa made me giggle, and then the name Planet Spaceball made me giggle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so many jokes without actually anything happening on screen. It's yep. awesome. Oh, um, what's next? That's a great bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think mine are in order of when they occur. Right. Uh, I just kind of remembered, like, oh, I should probably write down bits that I like. And you already actually mentioned this one, but we can we can deep dive it now. Seeing Pizza the Hut. On screen for the first time is truly disgusting but also yes. <laughs> so funny and especially when you're a kid and you're watching it for the first time because you're like of course that's so genius yeah pizza the hut that's so genius i was watching
1: um the siskel and ebert review of this movie and pizza the hut was a a creation that really brought a lot of joy to gene siskel which makes me really <laughs> happy in particular I'm that, sure it did. that Gene that Gene Siskel was like, this Pizza the Hut character, I gotta say, it's pretty funny. Um but yeah, I think Pizza the Hut was even like before I knew who Jabba the Hut was, I knew about the character Pizza the Hutt before I knew who Jabba That's the Hut was. So I got them mixed up in my mind and I thought that Pizza the Hut was a real character in Star Wars. <laughs>
0: And that every time you fucking ordered from Pizza Hut when you were a kid, it was based on <laughs> Star Wars. You're like, oh, we're going to order from the Star Wars yeah, fucking yeah. restaurant tonight. It's awesome. Thanks, Mason. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's another bit that you like, Mason? Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, this time I'm going to walk. Wait,
0: where? what part is that?
1: <laughs> After the Mel Brooks teleportation fiasco.
0: Yes, that the yes, punchline yeah. to this that. This time is, I'm gonna walk. This
1: time I'm gonna walk,
0: and it's literally
1: right next door.
0: <laughs> 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 yes, love that, love that bit. Thank you, President Scroob. Um, I'll, I will literally, and as long as I shall live, will never forget Ludicrous Speed. Never, um, no, never. L- I think about Ludicrous Speed just like in my life where I'm like, man, I wish I could go into fucking ludicrous speed, or I wish that this, or I say that thing was moving at ludicrous speed, or this day feels like it's been moving at ludicrous speed. So that whole section is so funny. You know, just, you know, we got to kick it into overdrive. We're going to find these people. We got to go into ludicrous speed, but it's just sort of a thing that has stuck with me. And I say in my own life, so big shout out to ludicrous speed. Mm -hmm. I, uh, another one I want to
1: shout out. Um, we ain't found shit uh f- comb in the desert yes coming the desert, comb in the desert yes. and then at the punchline we ain't found shit and also shout out to whenever that movie showed up on tv when they overdubbed the guy to say we ain't found nothing uh <laughs> <laughs> we ain't found
0: nothing i love that yeah. shout out to that
1: i love that uh i also just want to shout out some fun bits of physical comedy in this uh, it happens in, somewhat in the beginning of the movie. I think it's right after they save the princess, get the princess from the, the car, and bring her to the Winnebago. Um, Barf the Mog enters the cockpit, smacks Bill uh, Pullman upside the head one way, turns around, hits him the other way, turns around, hits him the same way again. Uh, John Candy has does fantastic tail work in this movie. On a similar tip, there's a part after they um, bring in this, the uh, Princess Vespa's um, space cruiser. Where they open the door and she's not in there, and Dark Helmet smashes the door. The door closes on him, and it smashes his face mask down, and then he falls yes. into the door. Um, love, love some Dark Helmet. I just want to give a
0: shout out to Dark Helmet. Also, the Rick Moranis. And Rick Moranis, the Moranis God. has been in the fucking news lately because he got you the shit kicked out of it. him how on the street, would, how... which is like how are you going to do that to fucking Rick Moranis? Who's like angel sent from like above to be on earth. It's just truly, unbelievable.
1: Truly. It, it's so disrespectful. It made me so mad. Um, when I saw that Rick Moranis got hit, uh, hit while walking
0: on the street, really, really upset
1: me. Uh, what are some, other, some of your other favorite
0: bits? Um, I love combing the desert as well. Um, like we, we already mentioned it briefly, but I never will forget watching space balls. Inside of the movie Spaceballs, the meta humor in this movie yeah. was probably some of my like first, if not my first example of that kind of meta humor, but my first cognizant example uh, of that yeah. kind of meta humor. And you'll just and it's just one of those bits that you never forget because I don't think a lot of people could pull off that bit. I don't think a lot of other directors would have the confidence to be like this is the yeah. bit we're going to do and this is what we're going to stick to mm-hmm. but Mel Brooks does because he's just a living legend first and foremost but B he just knows his own style and he knows himself so well yeah. that he's like we're going to do this and it's going to be funny and it's going to work and it does work it and it's works. amazing.
1: And they only do it once and they use it really to just advance the plot forward. Like they it's it's they do it like because um you know Dark Helmet and the Spaceballs have lost uh, lost track after going ludicrous speed. And so they fast forward to the point in the movie to find like the heroes. Like, it's just such a fun way to get, it's like such a fun way to get out of like a, a corner that he wrote himself into and they only do it, but the once they don't overdo it, they don't rely on it too much. So it really makes it, I think, um, pop. Uh, I'm also thinking about like, uh, the creeps, the bleeps and the sweeps, the Michael yes. uh, Winslow section there. Uh, again, only do that, only do that once. Mel Brooks knows, just how, like, when to really lean into a bit and when to just kind of, like, touch and go on something.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's prevalent in his other movies as well. Um, I'm thinking of Blazing Saddles, when uh, Cleavon Little's character says, excuse me while I whip this out, and everyone's, you know, terrified, and they think, oh, my God, is this guy really going to expose his cock in front of this entire town? And then he just, like, I think he takes out a speech or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Um, But they really only go there sometimes they yeah. don't go there all the time. And I think part of that has to do with the time in which he's making this movies. Yeah. Blazing Saddles is 1974 spaceballs in 1987. Um, so I think it has a little bit to do with the time and sort of American sensibilities. But I also think he knows I can get away with this if I don't lean in too hard and people will come back. Yeah. Even the most staunch, Republican, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> well, term, will come back. Yeah,
1: it does help that this movie is, like, PG and really leads into, like, the PG-ness of it. And it's, like, right, it doesn't become, it like, it's so suggestive, though. Uh, and it's kind of all innuendo when it's, like, not, when it's doing kind of the more raunchier stuff. Um, so, like, when you're a kid or you're younger, you don't always get, like, the kind of, the joke, like, I bet she gives great helmet, you know? Like, you don't understand why right. that's funny but if you're a parent in the audience and even if i think you are a little um kind of uptight about that kind of stuff you're like oh at least my my kid doesn't know what that is but i think that's funny you know exactly uh um, exactly that's what i really appreciated about this about this movie uh and i don't think that you really see those in comedies anymore you know comedies are either like on nickelodeon <laughs> and are like nick right. made for tv nick movies or they're like the hangover part fuck or something, or, you know, or some like (laughs) raunchy R rated studio comedy.
0: We should pitch the hangover part. Fuck to Quibi. We should get in touch. We should, we
1: should. Uh, I'm sure Todd's not doing anything. He's resting after being nominated for an Oscar for the Joker. Um,
0: but I think that's a great movie, by the way, it is. Should we pitch Joker to Quibi? You think that, uh, Joker would do good on Quibi? I think Joker might do so well on Quibi that I don't even think we should because it won't give our other, oh, it won't true, give other programming true, a chance true, to breathe. True, 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 so true. Um, it's all about a balance, you know. That's kind of the Quibi lifestyle, yeah, is, you know yeah. Balance, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I do also want to shout out Michael Winslow as well. Yeah. I love that he basically made his career uh, in the police academy, or not? Is it the police academy? Is yeah, he, was, it was
1: he was, I think he was a stand-up, and then they like hired him to be the ensemble in Police Academy, and that's where most people know him from.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, people know him, whether they know him or not, because he's the guy who does all the sounds. I have a fast fact about him uh, coming up when we get to that section. Coming but up, fast A couple facts. other... Holy shit. Ho- holy shit. Um, I also love the major asshole bit, and he says, what's your name? Asshole, sir. Major asshole. How many of you on this ship are major assholes? And they all fucking stand yeah, up. They're just like... Yeah. They're just doing all that fucking shit. Um, that's part. It's just so good. Um I do have to say, though, that as much as I love this movie, and it sounds like as much as you love this movie, Mason, this was my first time watching this movie in over 10 years, and I would not show someone our age this movie for the first time and say, this is the funniest movie of all time. No. You know what I mean? No,
1: you do have to, like, you have to, like, kind of be strategic on who you show this to. Like, this is like a younger cousin or a younger sibling movie, you know? If you're watching this for the first time as a 20-year-old... And the thing is, you know, when we were watching this for the first time, there were six Star Wars movies. Um, Yes. Now there are nine, and there's an extended universe, and there's all this fucking bullshit, and it just seems like you miss like that the, the essential the, the essential thing that this movie was parroting the merchandising part of it I think uh, which is like yeah. such a small bit would be the entire parody now and it almost wouldn't work because it's like why isn't this just about like the merchandising segment on it why is it like you know about the act parroting the actual movies um, and it's it's basically the first the initial three the original trilogy um, that it's parroting here. Uh, not as because, much and Return of the Jedi, as far as I remember.
0: Not as much Return of the Jedi. That's kind of what this, actually, this episode is. This is kind of our Return of the Jedi after a little oh. bit of a break. Ah. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're doing Return of the Jedi. I'm Robin Williams. <laughs> I was in Return of the Jedi. I played Wicked. Oh, ho. Yub, yub. Yub, Misa, uh, uh, yub, yub. <laughs> Me say, yub, yub. That's correct. Ho, ho. Suck my little Ewok cock. Ho. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's dead. <laughs> so, another... <laughs> <Okay>. uh, um. <laughs> Another bit that I like, Mason, uh, that I yeah. forgot about, actually, and it is the other only other real point that I want to make before we sort of dive into the Fast Facts MVP recommendo section yeah. of talking about it, is uh, I forgot about this scene entirely probably because it actually just went over my head as a kid and I didn't understand the reference. Mm-hmm. But, like, pretty much after they succeed doing their mission, you know, of, like, yeah. stopping... President Scroob and all those people, in stopping Dark Helmet yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, the Lone Star character and Barf go to that bar, yeah. and John Hurt reprises John, his role. John, they
1: actually got John Hurt too, which when I was a kid, like you, I I think the casting of that scene went over my head. I think I had seen like that that scene, like either on AMC like commercials or something, so I was somewhat sure. familiar with at least the Chestburster, but it didn't hit me. Um, until uh, it didn't hit me that that was actually John Hurt, and it's really funny that they got the actual John Hurt to reprise his role as yeah, the chest burster guy.
0: Not only is it funny that they got him to reprise the role, but just like John Hurt is like a big time British like fancy pants actor, yeah, he's, you like know, a he's, serious he's the actor. elephant man. Yeah. <laughs> so not only do you have the element of the fucking alien thing, but it's like you have him reprising this role that he's probably most well-known for ultimately even though he was a brilliant actor that went on to sure. do a lot of other things most people probably remember him from alien being the guy who has a chestburster yeah come out of his chest yeah
1: and i think that it's like he's also had such a long career that if, if you pointed out that he was the alien chestburster guy someone might not know that that's actually him you know what i'm saying Totally um, Like I don't know I don't know what you said Like someone's Like th- I think you're right That this would be Most people's frame of reference For John Hurt But because I'm a weirdo My frame of reference For John Hurt Is as um, uh, the uh, In Hellboy And I can't remember The character's name But he's Hellboy's dad In Hellboy <laughs> That's how I okay. Know John Hurt <laughs>
0: It's a little, that's a little silly of you to that be your frame of reference for John Hurt, uh, also the Elephant Man. I don't think in Elephant Man you actually get to see his nuts in that movie, do you? You don't get to see Elephant Titus <laughs> of the Nuts, Elephant Man, I don't know from my if recollection. You see, I
1: don't know if you see Elephant Man's nuts. I, I can't remember, truthfully. I just, I you know, there was a Criterion half sale. I should have bought Elephant Man so I could verify that for you, Chef, but decided to do, <laughs> decided to go with the Lady Eve.
0: Okay, all right. Kind of a worse choice and <laughs> <in> not picking <laughs> out Elephantitis of the Nuts. John Hurt on that one. If you know, listeners, if you get to see his fucking Elephantitis of the Nuts, Nuts, and the Elephant Man, or remember it off Tyberhead, tweet at us, message us on Instagram, email us. Yeah. We'll say those at the end of the show. But uh, I do just want to reference the fact that the alien bursts out of his chest in that Cantina segment, and then does Michigan J. Frog. Straight up, the hello, my baby, yes. hello, my honey, yeah. hello, my ragtime mm-hmm. gal. Just so good, so fucking funny to just have an alien that bursts out of your chest do that. You know, it just doesn't get old. Um, and then they they also fucking reference Planet of the Apes in this movie, which I had yeah. completely forgotten about as well. So kind of lampooning a, a bunch a of sci-fi hev- stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a very reference-heavy movie, and it's it's so... Uh, I, I can't, you know... It, Knowing how much you love Family Guy, knowing how much you love this movie, just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I, it, it makes sense to me now. It tracks. It's it's connected those two synapses <laughs> in my brain. I'm like, oh, of course, of course, of course. Um, but I'm not above a reference, and it is it is funny to see. Uh, it it's funny also. I mentioned the Siskel and Ebert review, and it is funny in that because they were uh, Ebert was kind of like. Why, are, why now? Why is this coming out 10 years after? And it's weird because it was almost like a, right. a semi-prescient kind of thing because in the 80s, you know, there was, re- the way that I know it, uh, Return of the Jedi comes out in 83. And throughout then they kind of like build the Star Wars brand toys, books, stuff like that. It's still very much a niche thing. Right. It's not quite the phenomenon that it is until it gets re-released in 97 uh, Lucas does the initial special edition edits, and then Phantom Menace comes out in '99. And Mel Brooks was kind of ahead of the curve on this one, you know. Um, and for that, we have no choice but to stand. Yes. So I'm curious at this point. Do you have any more fast facts, uh, or are you good to do MVP?
0: Oh no, Mason, can you hear me at all? I think we, I think we got. I just uh, big got time zoomed, zoomed, big time. Just fuck. Now.
1: All right, Chef. So you mentioned you had some fast facts to give us. Why don't you give us some of those fast facts about Spacewalk? Yes,
0: Chef. I would love to give you some fast facts right now. Okay. We mentioned Michael Winslow, everybody's favorite bleep bloop actor. Are you familiar, Chef, (laughs) with Michael Winslow? I am familiar with Michael Winslow. Good. During his scene, Michael Winslow did most of the sound effects. In the DVD audio commentary, Mel Brooks jokes that they saved around $1,000 By letting him do this. Don't know if that's a joke or not, Mel, to be honest with you. Kind of just sounds real, like you actually saved some money because he's a good sound effect guy. But I do like that there are just people out there that were like Michael Winslow who were like, I'm just going to make sounds and that's going to be like my thing. So shout out to Michael Winslow on that one.
1: Big time shouts to Michael Winslow. Uh,
0: The barf costume was operated by three people. John Candy operated Barf's tail using a hidden control in his paw, while two assistants controlled each ear. T- uh, Candy's costume was powered by a thirty-pound battery that he wore on his back. That sucks. I am sorry, that John Candy. That does suck. That's brutal, John.
1: Thank you so much for taking one up for us on that, bro. You were really, God. No one else like him. No one else like him. Who, who has the dedication of the craft to carry a thirty-pound battery around? Fuck God, man. that's that. That's that sweet little touch of candy there. God, that's a, God love That's him. a little
0: oh, morsel of candy. Uh, yep. Tesla Motors. Is <laughs> a quick fucking turn oh, Jesus. from something that's so pure and sweet to something so evil and gross? Uh, Tesla Motors has used Spaceballs' Starship speeds as inspiration for naming their acceleration modes. In homage to Spaceballs, Tesla has ludicrous speed for acceleration beyond its insane mode and plane mode. You hate that, don't you? I'm so
1: mad. I'm so mad at you for for, for putting that in my head. Damn, bro. Okay, okay. What's the other fast fact?
0: Sorry, not everyone can be fucking <laughs> Elon Musk. Um. Uh. Okay. Now that now that I've destroyed Mason for the rest of the episode. Uh. Bill Pullman got the part of Lone Star when Brooks and wife Anne Bancroft saw him in a play. He had never seen Star Wars. Prior to filming. Brooks had unsuccessfully tried to sign on big name actors such as Tom Cruise and Tom Mm. Hanks. Pullman Mm. said, quote, I think Mel was hurt that they didn't take him up on it, but then it attracted two of the big comics of the time, John Candy and Rick Moranis. Once that was secured, then he said, Heck, I'll throw somebody in, nobody knows, and I got a chance to do it. So that's Bill Pullman on uh playing Lone Star, and I'll be totally honest with you, gun to my head, could not tell you another movie that Bill Pullman was in. Sorry. Independence Day. I haven't seen Independence Day, actually. I'm sorry. I've never seen wild. Independence
1: Day. Okay. In, wild. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that quite qualifies as show material, but that is a movie that I have a little bit of a, an appreciation for. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I, it's, it's, I got Bill Pullman mixed up with Bill Paxton a lot. Classic thing to do. Classic thing to do. It's like we're getting mixed up uh, Laura Linney and Laura Dern. Or Laura, Laura Linney and Laura uh, Les
0: from 100 Decks. <laughs> this is yes. what we love to do on this show. Uh, well, <laughs> yes. One, one more fast fact for you, and then we'll jump into the MVP and recommend section. In a 2013 TV interview, shortly before receiving the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award, Mel Brooks stated that he personally obtained George Lucas's full permission to parody any and all things Star Wars related, but on one hmm. condition. Do you know what that condition is, Mason? I, I don't actually know what that condition is. What's this condition? The one condition is that absolutely no merchandise of any kind be produced from this movie. This is the reason why all oh. Yogurt and the Dinks do is merchandising. It is also why none of the merchandise seen in the movie was ever mass-produced or publicly sold. Because, if you don't know... The reason why George Lucas is like the only billionaire film director of all time is not from the paycheck he got for inventing Star Wars. It's the licensing toy deals that he yeah. was able to sign yeah. post the success of the first movie. So I get it. To be honest, if I'm George Lucas, I get that as a business decision. Is yeah. it unfortunate mm. that we never got a bar faction figure or a uh, RC, you know, like cruiser or whatever? Yes. Yeah. But you live and you know, live and let live, live and let die. It
1: happens. Uh, I am I mean that was a, another thing that I'm just reali- like thinking about now. Uh, is I was kind of mad that there were no Spaceballs action figures. Cuz especially in the scene where Dark Darth Dark Helmet is playing with his action figures, I'm like that looks kind of fun.
0: I didn't include that this fact, but I guess since you brought it up, apparently that scene was improvised. Where they just said that, yeah. Rick Moranis like on the day, you know, just Improvise with this, and then that's how that scene started. So shout out to Rick Moranis for coming Rick in Moranis. clutch. Yeah, Mason. Yeah, well, who's what's your MVP of Spaceballs? Speaking of, it's Rick Moranis. Yes.
1: Um, I love oh I love good old Rick. I, he he's an angel amongst us. I think that he is. Um, I love his his nervous, nevish like kind of comic persona because I feel like as a kid, as a nervous kind of weird kid, I was like, oh. Je suis there's me on the screen there. <laughs> uh, Lewis Louis Tully was a big guy for me. Dark Helmet is definitely. So this movie I don't I don't think that this movie would mean as much to me. This means the most to me of any Mel Brooks movies I think because of the Star Wars connection and I totally. also think because of um of uh uh Rick Moranis in it. Uh I think he does such a good job of um of playing Dark Helmet as this like really pathetic guy like kind of almost like a pre-Kylo Ren, kind of Kylo Ren sort of situation. That's very good. Um, I don't know. I love the character of Dark Helmet, and that character of Dark Helmet would not be the same without Rick Moranis. So for me, it's Rick Moranis as my Mercedes valuable player. Who's your Mercedes valuable player for this particular movie here?
0: Uh, Great pick uh, on Rick Moranis uh, being your most Mercedes valuable player. He's great. He's one of the most memorable aspects of this movie, playing Dark Helmet. Uh, It's always fun to see a little guy play a big evildoer because it's just... That's what evildoers are. At the end of the day, are just tiny little guys. Uh, whoa, maybe a little, yeah. maybe a little real opinion from Noah on that one. <laughs> um, whoa, but I guess by proxy, my Mercedes valuable player has to be Mel Brooks. But it's just the jokes in this movie. This right. is yeah. a movie that I will just continue to go back to purely for the jokes Um, and not to, you know, you know, hold, not to not hold my nut basically on this one, but this is, I almost was going to give this the unprecedented conditional not recommend, but I guess the conditional not recommend is basically the same as the conditional recommend is what I like equated it to in my mind. So I'm going to give it a conditional recommend because like I said, if we're showing this movie to someone, who, for the first time, who's not younger than 12 years old, probably aren't going to like it very much. Like my friend it, right, right. Um, Noah Davenport commented on my letterboxed entry of this, ages like whole milk out in the hot day's sun, is what he said. Um, uh, and I don't know if I necessarily Noah. fully agree with Mr. Davenport on that one, but I will say I didn't enjoy it in the same way. That I did when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one that you have to have seen when you're younger. You had to have loved Star Wars. And it's just going to be always a movie that you carry fondly in your heart with you. Yeah. But if you're watching this movie for the first time, you know, at 20, 21, 25, 30 years old, probably not going to make a big impression on you, if any impression at all. Yeah. So conditional recommend, unfortunately, although personally I love the movie, but conditional recommend is what I'm going to give it.
1: Yeah, and I'm with, I'm right in the pocket with you there, too. Um, this is a conditional recommend for me, the condition being if you uh, grew up with the movie and want to go back to it, I don't think it ages quite as poorly. I think that you can definitely mature from this movie, but I don't know if you can, like, grow out of it, especially if it, like, meant a lot to you at some point, where it's like, uh, you know, like, some of the jokes are, are shitty or whatever, <laughs> uh, or it doesn't, like, qu- the pacing's kind of, like, not quite there, Um. But I don't know. I it, it has such a special place uh for me and it made me giggle. It put me in a little a little giggle fit watching it. And that's a, a mark of quality, if anything. So, you know, it's it's worth the time. It's only an hour and a half, honestly. Uh the credits are four minutes long, which is very strange. Yes. Um, but it's not it's an easy watch. Um it just I don't know if you could get something out of it watching it. As an adult for the first time so maybe try to get a another a little kid around you or something uh and maybe some of that you know th- th- their laughter could be contagious uh and you won't get covid another contagious Whoa, okay uh, laughters contagious uh-oh. but
0: not as con- covid's contagious but not as contagious as a child's laughter that's what we'll say
1: exactly exactly it's like in in monsters Inc there's a missing se- there's a deleted section where they try to use <laughs>
0: covid to power the <laughs> And, and Roz thinks that it's a plandemic and she says yep. that a bunch during she's like this is just a plandemic wazowski <laughs> they're lying to you they're always lying to you wazowski. follow the white rabbit wazowski <laughs> q's about to do a drop wazowski <laughs> ancient greece will rise again wazowski <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, Allison. my goodness gracious. Uh, so, yeah, conditional recommendo for me. And I guess that's... Uh,
0: that's that on that. That's We did it. We're back. <laughs> we did the <our> show. <laughs> we did it. We fucking did it. Um, I think now we do plugs. Everyone's favorite part you know of the show. Plugs. Everyone's uh, favorite part of the show. Go for it, Mason.
1: All right. So, again, we have a link tree. Uh, you can find the show, the important places to go. Instagram, it's on underscore the list. Twitter, uh, it's on the list. Pod, email us. Everyone wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com. You can find me on my other podcast, the Bar and a Podcast about the Shield, on Letterboxd under my name on Instagram at hotdogdebicky. So yeah, so that's me.
0: Noah, where are the where are you? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well at. Noah Marger actually changed my handle to Noah Marger recently. So I am oh, not hey. at Moa and Arger anymore. I actually so am hiding behind that
1: spoonerism anymore. I know this is the genuine article. This is the genuine Noah you're getting on Twitter.
0: What you see com. is what you get, uh, which is another John Candy <laughs> reference. Um, yeah. So I'm at Noah Marger on Twitter. I think I'm still Moa Narger on letterboxd, but that's only so industry professionals don't know that I dislike their movie. Uh, so I'm Moa and Arger on letterboxd at Noah Marger on Twitter. At Noah.marger on Instagram, and you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things. This week, we will be talking to the one, the only, Marissa Hecker. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, what? I know. We're talking to Marissa Hecker over on my favorite podcast. Very cool. We are talking about Jens Lechman's Life Will See You Now. Uh, that drops Thursday. Uh, So, you know, if you're listening to this on release day, Thursday, two days from now uh, is when that episode will come out. You can listen to her and I talk about that. Fun, fun, fun. Till Daddy Takes the T-Bird Away. And you can watch YLG stuff. We are have something in the oven. We're cooking up something in the oven. And uh, I'll just say this. If you like me talking about Family Guy on this podcast, you'll really like the thing that we're cooking up over at your local government um, I don't really have a little oh, recommendo boy. either. Oh, you know what? I do. I guess I can give a little recommendo. Um, I watched the show Frasier for the first time because How about that? I had never seen it before. It's on Hulu. And I was like, I might as well check this out. And it was actually pretty good. I don't know. You know, it's a 90s sitcom through and through, but I kind of liked it. So Frasier, not as bad as you think it is going to be. That's my recommendo.
1: Hell yeah. I got big time zoomed there, but I'm going to co-sign whatever you said about Frazier. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you all next week.
0: Thank you, guys. Bye.